Thank you for listening to the Jesus for Everyone podcast. To support this podcast, go to RenewedHeartMinistries.com and click on Donate. This is Herb Montgomery with Renewed Heart Ministries, and I want to welcome you to episode 211 of the Jesus for Everyone podcast. Our saying this week is Children Against Parents. Our feature text is Sayings Gospel Q 12, verses 49, 51, and 53. Fire have I come to hurl on the earth, and how I wish it was already blazed up. Do you think that I have come to hurl peace on earth? I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to divide son against father. Father, daughter against her mother, daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. Our companion texts are Matthew 10, 34 through 38. Do not suppose that I've come to bring peace on the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword, for I've come to turn a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies will be members of his own household, and anyone who loves their father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves their son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Whoever does not take up their cross and follow me is not worthy of me. And Luke 12, 49-53, I have come to bring fire on the earth, and how I wish it were already kindled, but I have a baptism to undergo, and what constraint I am under until it is completed. Do you think that I came to bring peace on earth? No, I tell you, but division. From now on, there will be five in one family divided against each other, three against two, two against three. There will be divided father against son, son against father, mother against daughter, daughter against mother, mother-in-law against daughter-in-law, and daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. Uh, Gospel of Thomas 10, Jesus says, I have cast fire upon the world, and see, I am guarding it until it blazes. Gospel of Thomas 16, Jesus says, perhaps people think that I have come to cast peace on the earth, but if they do not know that I have come to cast dissension upon the earth, fire, sword, war, for there will be five in one house, there will be three against two, two against three, three against son, son against father, and they shall stand as solitary ones. And Micah 7, 6 from the Hebrew scriptures, for a son dishonors his father and daughter rises up against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies are the members of his own household. There's two types of peacemaking that I want to discuss this week. Um, One type uses force of arms. It amounts to being the the biggest bully on the hill. If if you're big and strong and bad enough, uh, no one will mess with you and, and, and they'll just do what you say. And the other type uses distributive justice. It makes sure everyone is is taken care of and everyone has enough so that there can be peace. Marcus Borg and John Dominic Crossan, they mention these two types of peace in their joint volume, The First Christmas. This is from page 75. Empire promises peace through violent force. Eschaton promises peace through nonviolent justice. Each requires programs and processes, strategies and tactics, wisdom and patience. If you consider the peace through victory has been if you sorry if you consider that peace through victory has been a highly successful vision across recorded history why would you abandon it now but whether you think it has been successful or not you should at least know there has always been present an alternative option peace through justice. And then later on page 166, they write, the terrible truth is that our world has never established peace through victory. Victory establishes not peace, but lull. Thereafter, violence returns once again and always worse than before. And it is that escalator violence that then endangers our world. Um, Let's talk about nonviolence too, the fact that nonviolence isn't peaceful. Um, The road to peace 
isn't peaceful uh, at all. I- even if, like Gandhi, one defines Jesus' activism as, as nonviolent resistance, as being nonviolent, uh, nonviolently very active, um, our saying this week indicates that Jesus wasn't about keeping the peace. Um, in other words, he wasn't concerned with preserving a lack of conflict. Uh, the Jesus of the Gospels came to bring fire and sword, it says. But how we understand this saying uh, makes all the difference in the world. Too often, Christians have misinterpreted these words and chosen to be the ones wielding the sword against others. And, and, and literally, uh, they're the ones that have set heretics, witches, Muslims, and, and Jews on fire. And let's look at this saying just a little bit more closely. In response to an accusation that he was disturbing the peace by participating in the 1955 Montgomery bus boycott, Dr. King, he he made this statement, true peace is not merely the absence of tension, but it is the presence of justice. And as we move toward uh, um, distributive justice, nonviolent resistance to, to systems of disparity, they should disrupt um, nonviolent resistance should confront, it should disturb, it should prevent the unjust system from continuing on as normal. And unless nonviolence is disruptive, um, its goal is not achieved. On August either 3 or 4, 1957, Frederick Douglass gave an address on, on uh, West India emancipation in, in New York, and these are his words, the whole history of the progress of human liberty shows that all concessions yet made to her august claims have been born of earnest struggle. The conflict has been exciting, agitating, all-absorbing, and for the time being, putting all other tumults into silence. It must do this or it does nothing. If there's no struggle, there is no progress. Those who profess to favor freedom and yet depreciate Agitation are men who want crops without plowing up the ground. They want rain without thunder and lightning. They want the ocean without the awful roar of its many waters. This struggle may be a moral one, or it may be a physical one, or it may be both moral and physical, but it must be a struggle. Power concedes nothing without a demand. It never did, and it never will. Find out just what any people will quietly submit to, and you've found out the exact amount of injustice and wrong which will be imposed upon them. And these will continue till they are resisted with either words or blows or with both. The limits of tyrants are prescribed by the endurance of those whom they oppress. Men might not get all that they work for in this world, but they must certainly work for all that they get. If we ever get free from the oppressions and wrongs heaped upon us, we must pay for their removal. We must do this by labor, by suffering, by sacrifice, and if needs be, by our very lives and the lives of others. So uh, Douglas didn't subscribe to the theories of nonviolence as Dr. King did, but he's right here. Whether it be by disruptive violence or disruptive nonviolence, the point here is that there has to be disruption to the status quo. And even nonviolence can be disruptive uh, when it isn't co-opted nonviolence that just passively demonstrates without changing anything. And don't miss that the sword mentioned in this week's saying is one that's being raised by the unjust system against Jesus and his followers. It isn't a sword that Jesus and his followers raise against others. It's a a fire of disruption and a part of resistance 
that, that those benefited by the status quo that they seek to extinguish. And Jesus's words about taking up the cross are still ahead of us in this series, and we're, we're going to get to those. But, but what we have to at least acknowledge this week is that they must be understood in a way that does not promote the myth of redemptive suffering. And again, we're going to unpack this as we continue, especially when we get to the section where Jesus talks about uh, taking up the cross and saying it's gospel cue. But but uh, before we arrive at that discussion, uh, we have to, once again this week, note that Jesus' followers, they're not the ones with the swords in their hands in this passage. They're the ones whom those swords are being raised against. They're, they're the ones whom those with the swords in their hands are are threatening uh, them with crosses and they're standing up for for what was unjust they're standing against injustice they're being threatened with death for standing up and taking hold of life. And remember, Jesus didn't die so you could go to heaven. Jesus died because he stood up to the status quo. And even if he did so nonviolently, he still stood up to injustice while standing alongside the poor and the exploited and the marginalized. And then think of the temple incident just alone, just that alone this week. Um, lastly, this week, I want to talk about social location for a moment. Social location matters. This saying is is also at the center of why many parents, they feel religiously compelled to reject their children and their grandchildren for being perceived as out of harmony with their own faith. Uh, there are painful examples, and, and one of those painful examples is the disproportionate rate of LGBT homeless young people who are turned out of their religiously fundamentalist homes. Their parents' Christianity is a version of Christianity that would cause them to reject their own children. And what we we have to see this week is that that in the stories about Jesus's followers, they're the ones being rejected. They're not the ones doing the rejecting. Uh, they're the ones that Jesus encourages to stand up and and resist, even though in, in their own family uh, there's rejection. To stand up even if their own family rejects them. And in this saying, it's on the side of the youth that are being kicked out. It's on the side of the women who stand up to domestic violence. It's on the side of, of slaves who stand up against their enslavement. Um, it's on the side of, of straight siblings who choose to stand in solidarity with their LGBT siblings over and against the fear of experiencing their parents' rejection too. It's on the side of, of the counselors and the clergy that stand with survivors of, of relational violence and tell them not just to passively accept abuse, but to, to actually leave, even when doing so will bring rejection from those who, who subscribe to biblical patriarchy. And this week's saying, it's on the side of the abolitionists who were accused of having to throw out their, their Christian faith to stand against white Christian slavery. It's on the side of people of color and their, their white allies who stand firm and say black lives matter in the face of of rejection from their white peers, Christian and non-Christian alike. And it's on the side of those who find themselves opposing both Democrats and Republicans and saying that bombs won't grant self-determination for those here or in any country where they're victims of, uh, they're victims of global, uh, the global economy. And, and, and when you stand up, yes, especially when you stand up for the vulnerable, there will be pushback. But our saying this week was intended to encourage people to stand up anyway. Archbishop Oscar Romero, who was assassinated 
in the middle of giving mass and and who stood in solidarity with the poor um, beyond the U.S.-backed military repression in El Salvador, he said this, Christ asks us not to fear persecution, because believe me, brothers and sisters, whoever has cast his or her lot with the poor will have to endure the same fate as the poor. And in El Salvador, we know what the fate of the poor is, to disappear, to be tortured, to be imprisoned, and to be found dead. And using the Jewish text of Micah, our saying this week goes on to say, brother will betray brother to death, father his child, children will rebel against their parents and have them put to death. And Jesus' message is even in spite of this, stand up anyway, stand up against injustice. And, and, and again, remember, standing against injustice will produce a sword in the hands of those who are threatened by a more egalitarian world. Uh, and standing up will produce a firestorm of criticism. Um, Colin Kaepernick, one example, followed all the rules that the privileged say d- defines a legitimate protest, and he's still been delegitimized and slandered. Stand up anyway. If those who are rejecting you for standing with the vulnerable are your own family, biological or religious, stand against injustice, stand against fear and ignorance and violence, and stand against oppression anyway. Uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer was a a German Lutheran pastor and a a theologian who, after his time at Union Theological Seminary in New York, he returned to Germany to stand with the vulnerable against Nazism. And he wrote, there remains an experience of incomparable value to see the great events of world history from below, from the perspectives of the outcast, the suspects, the maltreated, the powerless, the oppressed, the reviled. In short, from the perspective of those who suffer. Again, one's social location matters. And reading this week's saying from the location of those on the undersides or or the edges of our society, it makes a difference in how you interpret this week's saying. We don't have to reject members of our family. Rather, this week's saying tells us that when we do take a stand for justice, when we, when we do stand against injustice, we may be rejected by mother, by father, by daughter, son, brother, or sister, and it encourages us to stand up anyway. Standing with and speaking out alongside the vulnerable, it will create conflict. But from the soil that, that's tilled up in that experience, there can grow a distributive justice that produces the fruit of peace. And, and I don't believe that, that we have to pass through fire and sword to get to a world that is safe, just, and compassionate for everyone. But when those that are threatened by this new world do raise up their swords and, the, and they stand up, and, they're, the, and when standing up does create a, a, a firestorm, Stand up anyway. Joan Carlson Brown and Rebecca Parker, remember, they remind us, and this is in the book Christianity, Patriarch, and Abuse, page 18. We've discussed this statement before. Remember they said, it's not the acceptance of suffering that gives life. It's the commitment to life that gives life. The question, moreover, is not am I willing to suffer, but do I desire to fully live? This distinction is subtle and to some spacious, but in the end, it is a great dif- It makes a great difference in how people interpret and respond to suffering. Our saying this week, once again, fire have I come to hurl on the earth, and how I wish it were already blazed up. Do you think that I've come to hurl peace on the earth? I did not come to hurl peace, but a sword, for I have come to divide son against father, daughter against her mother, and daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. Sayings Gospel Q, 12, verse 49, 51, and 53. Heart group application this week. Let's wrap up with that. Gustavo Gutierrez writes in his book, We Drink From Our Own Wells. He writes, uh, The faith 
and courage of the members of our communities in the face of threats, misunderstandings, and persecution for justice's sake are sustained and strengthened by the support each individual gives the others, by the support each community gives the others, and by our very struggle and activity, by meditation on the Word of God, and by the recollection of the witness given by those who have struggled for justice. So this week as a group, I want you to list the types of pushback that you fear that you'll experience uh, for taking stands against injustice, against oppression, and against violence. Actually, list them, write them out. And then as a group, discuss how you as a group can support uh, each of your members if these fears become reality. And again, make an actual list out of these. When these if these things we're afraid of do happen for our standing up, um, if there's a sword raised or it, or it creates a firestorm, um, what are some things the group can do to support um, uh, those in the, in the group that are that are taking those stands? And then number three, create an action plan or people to call, people to reach out to, ways to respond, things to set in motion that each of you can put into practice uh, this week to, to support each other if and when um, the pushback occurs, if the things that you're afraid of actually do happen. And then having each other's back, uh, go take a stand. Stand up anyway. And again, thanks for checking in with us this week. Wherever you are, keep living in love, survival, resistance, liberation, restoration, and transformation on our way toward thriving. And again, I want to thank all of you who support the work of Renewed Heart Ministries. It's people like you that are enabling us to exist and to be a positive resource in our world in this work of of survival, resistance, liberation, restoration, and transformation. And if you're new to Renewed Heart Ministries, we're a not-for-profit group that are informed by the sayings and teachings of the historical Jewish Jesus of Nazareth and passionate about centering our values and ethics and the experience of those experiences of those that are on the undersides and, and margins of our society. And, and you can find out more about us if, by going to our website, renewedheartministries.com, and, and clicking on who is RHM on the top left. If you'd like to support the work of Renewed Heart Ministries, you can make a one-time gift or become one of our monthly contributors by going to renewedheartministries.com and clicking on the donate tab at the top right of our homepage. Or you can always mail your contribution to Renewed Heart Ministries, PO Box 1211, Lewisburg, West Virginia, 24901. And make sure you also sign up for our free resources. Um, they're right there on our website. We, we have newsletters, we have daily emails, we have weekly emails, we have all kinds of stuff on there. That Again, 211 now uh, podcast episodes. Uh, we have uh, uh, audio presentations. There's so much on that website. Um, take advantage of those free resources there. And, and, and all of your support, remember, helps. Any, any little bit helps. And anything that we, we receive beyond our annual budget. Every year we pass on to other not-for-profits that are making systemic and personal differences in the lives of those less privileged in the status quo. And for those of you, again, who are already supporting our work, I just can't thank you enough. I'm so glad each one of you is journeying with us this week. I love each one of you dearly. I'll see you next week. (laughs) 